0: To Project Vox Populi, where the people speak their truth.
1: It's been quite some time since we did a Vox Populi. As a reminder, Vox Populi is part of Veritas, but it includes people who are not known, haven't written a book, and have an interesting story to tell, and haven't been given The opportunity and the platform to do so. We at Veritas are aware that sometimes those people who are denied the voice are the ones who we should listen to. I hope tonight's guest is not an exception. I won't even tell you what this interview will be about, because it covers so many areas. But let me just say this young man has a lineage of military, aerospace engineers, geniuses, and even the mafia. Secrets of what we deem unknown, our hidden history who's in command, what the plan is, and what we as humanity can do. If you're ready for this truth, stay with us.
0: You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at VeritasRadio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback. Just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com, and if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it, and click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick
1: Today's special guest on Vox Populi is Benjamin Farkas, also known as Frater Song, and I'm gonna read a bio. I'm gonna let him just put the foundation. From Kent, Washington, I would like to introduce Benjamin Farkas. Hello, Ben, and welcome to Veritas and Vox Populi. How are you?
2: I'm great, Mel. How about you?
1: I'm doing great. And as I told you for the past few weeks, we only choose a Vox Populi person to come to the show once every so often. We haven't had one this year. And you captured my attention because we put some of our videos on YouTube, and you commented in one of them and this is what what happens sometimes. People write to me, and believe me, I get dozens of requests to be on Vox Populi, but I'm very selective. And you, uh, it captivated me with some of the information you shared, and it's a lot. You have a great story to tell. Why don't you give us a foundation, your story, where you grew up, and how you became enlightened?
2: I moved around a lot as a kid. I grew up uh, mainly in uh, South King County, so that's... uh about 30 minutes south of Seattle. Before that, uh, the majority of my childhood was spent in uh, Aberdeen. That was uh, the home of Kurt Cobain, actually down the street from his house. My <laughs> my growing up was uh, a little bit of a crazy story. Kurt Cobain, you said,
1: I wanted to hear later what
2: you think about his death, but tell me later. Yeah, where basically this this whole mission for knowledge that I have started was something that happened to me when I was about 10 years old uh, in the fourth grade on a summer school trip. I thought about it carefully, and I'm not going to disclose the location or anything about that. Just a personal choice. There's a thing that the grade schools do out here. This is a yearly summer school camp. And, uh, for some reason this year we were going to some completely different location than the two normal places that they go. And, uh, I, uh, originally didn't even have the, you know, uh, money to go out there, but for some reason they made an exception and wanted me to go. And I mean, that's not really important, but, uh, when we got out there almost immediately after we were off the bus, things uh that's when things started to get weird and started to get weird real fast not even 10 minutes off of the bus we were in a round room laying on the floor uh kind of in a circular pattern with our feet you know all touching each other and uh we were told to look at the ceiling and uh I lost consciousness the next thing I remember was being woken up the uh kid next to me was having a seizure and was hitting me in the face. And, um, somebody came up and touched him. It was a very blurry, uh, experience. Like when I was going in there, like completely lightheaded, you know, had that, that tunnel feeling. The next thing I remember, I was, uh, in a line with a bunch of other, of my classmates. Um, I'm absolutely sure that this was underground, We were in a tile room and uh, we were told to, in case we ever had dangerous chemicals get on our skin, that we would uh, take these, what they call dry showers. And um, so we were going down a line and we were pulling this, you know, little chain that hung from the ceiling that, you know, made the uh, nozzle shoot this aerosol all over us. And, uh, These are really patchy, really blurry memories. Um, But what things I do remember, uh, you know, being tortured in very strange and specific ways, sensory deprivation, uh, you know, (laughs) weird stuff. But when things got really strange is when they took us out at night and they took us out to this uh, field where there were all these brand new trees being planted by uh, I think it was Warehouser. I'm not sure. They all had, had tags on them. And it was about 11 at night, and they had us in these groups of three. And the objective that we were supposed to do was to project the image into the minds of the other kids that were in front of us. And each one of these trees had like five pine cones at the base of it. And we were supposed to get these things without them knowing that we were doing it. And this memory didn't even come to me until imagery started triggering it. And I started remembering around the time that I was 17 or 18. And by the time I was 17 and 18, I had a really serious need to try and contribute something to humanity, something to the world. I had always been hyper observant. I've always been a very keen intuitive empath to the point to where it's almost like mind reading and you know that can be really uncomfortable a lot of the times when you're in social situations and you feel everybody else's emotions and they overwhelm your own and you end up kind of isolating because of that but i had came up with all kinds of different things of social and economic programs and i had done the you know, minimal amount of research that I needed to figure out how these things could work. Community pr- programs that could help out a lot of people, you know, really contribute to people that didn't have all the things that they need to to have, you know, a decent life. And these were things that could have really contributed to the city, the county, and it was profitable for the city and the county.
1: When you say you were believing that you were on an underground facility, First of all, how do you know it was an underground facility? Do you have any family members in the military? Who do you think took you there?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of Navy in my family. And uh, there was um, some interesting things that happened to my mother when she was in school where they came and gave them injections. And uh, no parents were asked or told. Nothing was signed about it. But from what I've been able to gather, and this is something that we'll circle back to later, is a lot of these people that seem to have these uh mk ultra experiences or uh special special ops uh i mean real out there weird stuff all have these connections to navy in their family um i've you know even talked and known a, a number of ufo abductees and their parents were special you know special sections in the navy and Like I said, when we'll circle back to it, it all all has to do with an agreement that was made between the United States and the breakaway – the breakaway part of the Nazis that left after World War II and uh, went to uh, Argentina, I think it was, and uh, to Antarctica. But the – history with my family. Uh, My grandfather was uh, in the Navy before he joined the aerospace industry and uh, went to work for Rocketdyne and Rockwell. And he was the foreman and worked on, built all of the uh, engines for the Apollo program. There are other aspects of Navy in my family that I'm not going to talk about because uh, I'm just not going to. Uh, You know, they're active, so... And then there was uh, the uh, other side of my family that was uh, organized crime. Big money out in California.
1: The, The underground base, was that a military base? And do you remember how you got there or did you just woke up?
2: There is a military base not too far from where I was at. It was about 40 minutes drive from where I'm at. And I know that it was underground because everything was cement. I don't know how to explain it. I can always feel... When I'm underground, uh, everything was cement and everything was tile. And um, the room that they put us in, when we lost consciousness, there was nowhere else to go but down. It was a very strange room, and when you look at the overlay of the map today at this facility, <laughs> that little room doesn't exist. So uh, it's it's pretty interesting. So I'm pretty sure that it descended underground and that there had to have been some sort of transportation to the uh, military base that was about, uh, about 40 minutes drive from there. And it is a big base.
1: Who do you think the other children were? Were they related to military? Perhaps all of you were related to military and the reason why you were going through sensory deprivation.
2: I'm pretty sure. That the, uh, that the small group that was immediately selected right after we got off of, you know, the, the transportation there, there was about six or seven of us. And, I mean, there was a total of 30, 40 of us that went, and they they had us in that room immediately, pretty much right after we got off the bus, you know. And uh, my teacher was in there, and man, if I could tell you the look that was on her face, she was shaking, had tears in her eyes. Um did you get a chance to interact with the other children? Through this time? Yes. The only interaction that I remember was being carried by a guy in fatigues. And uh, this is like, like I said, these are choppy, bloody memories. Um, I'm pretty sure that after that aerosol which I later found out is a derivative of DMT Mm. to activate the higher brain functions. And I remember being carried by one arm and one leg down the hall by a guy in fatigues, and they opened this big steel door, and he like picked, and it started swung me back and forth like he was getting ready to chuck a sack of potatoes and just threw me in this room. And uh, they slammed the door, and it was pitch black in there. And I was completely paralyzed. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move nothing. And, uh, I was in there for probably, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes until I was in a state of just mortal fear, man. Like I was panicking and I was trying as hard as I could to scream, but I couldn't. And, uh, they opened the door and threw another kid in there with me. Um, the exact same fashion as they threw me in there and, uh, they slammed the door and I was trying so hard to to say something, you know, like I, I didn't know what the hell was going on, you know, and I was screaming out, you know, as hard, trying as hard as I could. And I could hear it in my mind just screaming, hey, you know what I mean? Hey, dude. And uh, he answered back to me. He said, hey. And then after that, everything goes black, just like uh, right after the field. Um, as soon as I try to engage in connecting to this other kid's mind, everything goes black. And I'm pretty sure that this has to do with uh, the way that they, whatever they do to suppress memory. There are some things I remember and then there's things that I can't remember.
1: Well, the, the part about the sensory deprivation, that's a good way to erase a memory, but it's also a good way to prepare you for the future. Thank Obama. Some people say that he may have gone through some MKUltra programming. Do you think you went through MK Ultra programming yourself?
2: I'm absolutely sure that I went through MK Ultra programming. And uh the sensory deprivation and the purpose from that room, from after I started doing research, and I'm pretty keen with psychology when you know we have these psychic centers built into us. But as you know, I'm pretty sure you know we only have nine percent of our brain capacity that has been allowed to us. And uh, even though that these centers are there, and even if they give you a drug that that stimulates these centers, you're still not used to using them. So you they have to force it out of you. And with me, I guess my response uh, was fear when I was in a situation where I felt threatened. And uh, worried, and there was no other way that I could move or do anything. The only avenue that was left out to me was to stretch out, you know, with my mind. And I'm pretty sure that's what the uh, different kinds of stupid little torture games and sensory deprivation and all the other dumb crap that they did to us out there. Through research, I had found out that these people, the camp staff, the people that were there doing this to us, were. They went through AmeriCorps for their camp staff, and then I found out that that year, that for that particular place, that AmeriCorps contracted through the SOA for their for their staff there.
1: Those who know, for those who don't know, what is AmeriCorps and SOA?
2: AmeriCorps is I, I don't know. It's like difficult to explain. It's not military, but it is. It, it's it's like a government thing. If you go look it up, AmeriCorps, you know. Uh, People who are going to be uh, community leaders, and it's it's like you you sign up to do stuff with people at uh, state-funded facilities, you know, like a boys and girls club, or uh, probably cleaning stuff up somewhere. But it's it's um, yeah, it's
1: a voluntary civil society. It's kind of an
2: anomaly. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, the SOA. Um, is the School of the Americas. This is a special forces training academy before they were uh, shut down sometime in the 2000s for, um, I'm pretty sure it was violation of uh, international law, humanitarian stuff, because they were training guys to uh, skin people in South America, uh, skin them alive and hang them up in their villages to uh, discourage the enemy during their their little wars out there in South America. And uh, that's when they got shut down. But they, of course, reopened under a different name, different uh, leadership, probably. I don't know. I just know that they were shut down and that they're uh, their special forces training academy. That's that's something on paper. That there's, uh, there's black ops out there with your kids at summer camp.
1: <laughs> what is the purpose of having you there?
2: Like I said, I was there with... My whole fourth grade and uh, the other third grade class. It was uh, it was just a summer camp, but the reason why I think I was there was they want people from uh, and this is from through my through my research what I've come to find out they want people for these type of programs who are from impoverished homes. They can handle a lot more stress. They're used to being treated like. And I, I'm pretty sure that it has to do, like I said, with uh, something we'll circle back to, with people that come from families that have Navy in them. I'm pretty sure that there was something that they gave those soldiers and vaccinations after, after the uh, late 40s is probably when these programs began.
1: So they're measuring and monitoring generation after generation just to see what the progeny looks like, what effects, whatever vaccines, whatever they gave them. They want to see the results multi-generationally,
2: probably. Yeah, this is this is something that it, it's a, it's def- definitely a long game that the Navy is is playing with these secret projects, and I, I have to stress the occult connections to this stuff.
1: See, when we think of the military Ben, a lot of people think the military is the last bastion of good that we have in our government. But there's also dark projects. There's a lot of, as you say, the breakaway civilization or breakaway government. What is it really? Do we trust the military as the last bastion of freedom and truth?
2: Well, yes and no. Actually, yesterday, the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life, these indictments that are going out since Trump came in office, uh, He has taken out a lot of corruption in and out of the military and uh, appointed people who are, you know, men that are honorable and can be trusted to do the right thing. And the indictments have finally begun. Uh Thank you for listening to
3: unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles and more.